0: necro thursday and i'm here with mike scendato to bring you necromaniacs the premier horror podcast alongside horror wolf how's it going mike
1: i am well how are you
0: mike doing good you know staying busy you know we're, we're grinding out these episodes uh, <laughs> just trying to stay on schedule with everything uh gearing up for the tour you know we leave in a few days and uh I don't even feel like I'm, I I hasn't even, I I feel like just nothing's happening. Like I I just, every day is the same. Mm. And, uh, and then suddenly I'm like, Oh damn, I have only a few days to get ready and pack and get all my shit together. And you know, it's, uh, so it's interesting.
1: Well, I'm excited uh, for, for the listeners who may not know Mike Hill's uh, excellent metal band Tombs is going out on tour uh, around mid February. Uh, with uh, Nunslaughter and Pro Fanatica. It's going to be a, a sick little tour. If it comes to your town, uh, go see it. But uh, normally, sometimes when, uh, you know, Michael's on tour or, or there, there's other issues, we will take a bit of a vacay on the show. But uh, we're happy to say that we are not doing that this time, that we will be coming at you uh, every Thursday while the tour is a rolling. Isn't that right, Mike? Yeah, you know, with the three
0: of us, I figure we can get it done you know everything went black there's going to be a couple of weeks where i'm going to run run some uh you know from the vault episodes <laughs> you know what i mean right, i just
1: right right best ups, best of ups. yeah
0: best of like i just didn't have enough time to really keep that thing going on track every week but there's there's going to be episodes every week just that uh two of them are going to be episodes that i would normally only have on the patreon so they're old old ones but something that has not been in the mainstream just yet so that that should be at least good for some of you guys
1: nah sure man sure but uh i'm stoked for you the tour hits uh brooklyn new york towards towards the end of the run in march so uh, yeah we'll we'll be there um should be a fun night and uh yeah uh look it up kids the tombs nunslaughter pro fanatica tour uh east coast into midwest mike what, what would you say the kind of run it is i'm gonna say it's uh pretty
0: pretty exclusively east coast with some canadian dates and i'm stoked about Canadian. canadian. Sorry.
1: okay yeah, stoked about going gotcha. to montreal montreal is always a cool town to, to play in nice nice so uh yeah go go check them out when they come to your town um let's see what have i been checking out uh, I'm continuing on my Sopranos run. I am on season five, uh, episode uh, three, and uh, you know, like I've mentioned before, I think I forgot just how vile Tony Soprano is, Michael. He's he's not a good man. No, not not a good guy. Yeah, it's like you you, you kind of romanticize the characters, you know, in mm-hmm. general,
0: and, um, yeah. and then when you go back, especially you know, people like you and I have probably seen that. Entire show like many times over, and then the deeper you go Mm -hmm. in, you realize you see all the quirks. Even like Carmela too, you see like how no one is really a good guy. Christopher Maltesante,
1: like no one, no one's good. Like I don't feel bad for Carmela Soprano. I don't feel bad for her. Like when Tony is doing, you know, doing his his mob boss thing and his gallivanting, as they say, like she. I don't know. I just, I find it hard to feel bad for her as a woman who has chosen the life that she, she has chosen. She's been with him since they were teenagers for fuck's sake. She's knew what his father did. She knows what he does. You know what I'm saying? It's like the empathy level for her is low. The only character I am literally feeling bad for, and that I honestly think that I could say is, is a fairly good character is Drea Matteo's character. Um, because not because I, I I I fancy her, because I feel like look she's never murdered anyone. You know she's never like she's. I don't know. I don't think she's intentionally intentionally harmed or screwed anyone over like throughout her tenure on the show. What do you think?
0: I I, I agree that she is a and pretty much an innocent. I mean she's just like a regular Jersey chick. You know she's just. A North Jersey girl, you know, and she got wrapped up with the wrong people, you know, and good hearted, good natured, you know, like nothing, uh, nothing nefarious about her, you know, and uh, I would say Charmaine too. like Charmaine's a little salty, but, but she also is, um, you know, pretty much like just a regular person, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, everybody has has a bit of uh, culpability, right? But I just I, I find myself empathizing with, uh you know, maybe a few other of the the female characters on the show. I mean, women are are really, really not treated well um, on the show. And it's just, it's weird. Like, even though, look, I have seen it, I remember it, but I think maybe I didn't remember certain aspects, you know? And it's just like, wow, man, it's like, this gets very harsh, you know? And I guess I kind of forgot how harsh it gets.
0: No. definitely you know it's it's um you know it, it, it's something i think i watched it twice last year like it's entirety like uh okay. you know my uh tina my girlfriend she grew up in that same area that the, the show takes place in so far she's a, a specialist like an expert on uh all things soprano
1: hmm.
0: and um so that's something that we put on like we earlier in the year made an effort to watch the entire thing from front to back and then It was just something that we would have on sometimes. You know what I mean? Like before we went to bed or something like that, it would be like sort of playing. So I think we did watch it almost, I think,
1: twice through last year in 2023. Nice. Like Christopher and Silvio are also demons. Like they kill a waiter for no reason at all. Like because the waiter was questioning the tip. Like they just shot him. Like, like, wow, it was just... I don't know, maybe it's really been much longer than I thought since I've seen the show. But when you think of Sopranos, I guess you think of these, you know, cuddly caricatures, like you said, like you think of these, you, you think of a, a different, I don't know, uh, it's coming from a different place. But no, these are very, very bad men doing very bad things. And uh, yeah, it's it's almost got the, these rather horrific elements to it.
0: Yeah, definitely uh, the show is still very is genius i think it's a work of art i think in the thread you refer to it as like the black sabbath of modern television or something like that
1: Yes, it is the black sabbath of modern day television absolutely um it's it comes before everything it's before mad men it's before breaking bad it's before walking dead it's before game of thrones it's before you know all of its contemporaries you know um and uh, yeah, it changed television, and uh, you you can definitely see why. So yeah, I'm going to say that the uh, if Sav- if um
0: the Sopranos is the Black Sabbath of modern TV, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that uh, that um, Oz is the Deep Purple of modern television.
1: Mm, yeah, that's good. That's very good. Poor Oz. Yeah. People forget about Oz, but you're you're right. Oz was, Oz was HBO's Sunday night, you know, anchor at one point. You know. And that show got very strange towards the end, um, but that was a lot of fun too. Yeah. But uh, yeah,
0: no it's kind of unsung. It, it's been eclipsed by the success and notoriety of The
1: Sopranos. Oh, totally. So for the three listeners who haven't watched Sopranos yet, uh, yeah, go, <laughs> okay. go watch. Uh, go watch that hot new show, Sopranos. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Mike? What do you What have you been checking well,
0: out? The new uh, Curb that mm-hmm. premiered. So uh, Sunday nights, at least for now, is a double feature of uh, uh, True Detective season four and Curb. So that's right. uh, that's pretty cool. And um, been <laughs> once again attempting to watch True Blood, not by my on my own device, but once again through the urgings of my uh, my my other uh, my better half uh, Tina. Uh-huh. She's a huge fan of uh, of uh, you know True Blood. And uh, I've rejected that show all these years, and I'm being dragged into the uh, orbit of True Blood once again. So we're well, about almost done with the first season right now.
1: I gotta tell you, uh True Blood's a good show. It's a lot of fun. Um, there's cool characters on it. I watched it. Uh, I didn't I didn't f- like finish it, but I saw that final episode kind of a bit out of order. Those first few seasons are really good um so yeah enjoy seeing true blood for the first time i kind of uh, envy you because it's very uh it's just fucking fun it's got some horror it's got some sex it's got some comedy um it's a fun show it's like i i've never made it out of the first season like i've, I've seen it
0: before um but i've never made it out of the only the first season so now this is like the furthest i've been into it is with with uh this time around so we'll see how it goes i was enticed into it because she told me that there's werewolves in it so i'm like okay well
1: i'll stick around for the werewolves yes there are and it's another show that helped honestly put hbo kind of on the map it was a very very successful show for hbo so uh yeah um wow i haven't thought about true blood in a while so that might be something i might take a trip down down memory lane and watch um but, uh, yeah, it's funny. Stella and I have been watching Scooby-Doo episodes, believe it or not. Uh, just, like, a mix of the old ones. And then there's, like, there's a whole bunch of new ones, like uh, Max, HBO Max, or whatever you'd like to call it, has all these different Scooby-Doo series. And they're they're just kind of fun to kind of watch at the end of the night and just kind of want to chill. And, yes, there is a horror element to pretty much every episode. So it's, it's kind of fun. <laughs> I, I used to love Scooby-Doo
0: when I was a kid. I, I should, I'd should, like to revisit that. Now that I know it's on Max, I'll check it out.
1: Yeah, there's all sorts of Scooby-Doo. There's like a plethora of Scooby-Doo material to watch on Max. like going from like the old, old stuff all the way, like, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s. It's like, yeah, they got a lot, a lot of interesting stuff. But, um, yeah. And then, uh, of course, aside from all that, I've just, you know, been listening to like a bunch of other podcasts like I listen to a lot of you know comedy podcasts like i don't know if you ever heard of kill tony you ever heard of that tony henchcliffe the comedian he's a texas <laughs> guy he's really funny yeah and, i mean you know, i i don't uh
0: you know like i don't know what it is about comedians i just don't fucking like them man i don't know <laughs>
1: michael hates comedy that's right yeah, that's right, listeners. But you do like curb your enthusiasm, so that that almost kind of balances it out, though. I feel like
0: you it's enjoying a long curb. time to get to it, man. You know what I mean. And and uh, but, uh, dude, it's like it it's one of the most right on shows I've ever seen. You know. So yeah, there you go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I thought the first episode of Curb was a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing where this final season goes. But we're going to talk a. Uh, we we got to talk a little bit about the elephant in the room, which is True Detective season four. Oh, um, as of this episode, the the fourth episode of True Detective has aired, and uh, I would just like to say that for two episodes in a row, I I pretty much only enjoyed the last five to ten minutes of the program. Um, there are only six episodes in this season, kids. So they have. Two episodes to turn the ship for me. Uh what are your thoughts, Mike Hill? Dude, I I was pretty
0: pretty uh descriptive in the thread about how I felt
1: <laughs> and, yes, uh, yes, in a private setting. Um we're just we're just not happy with this season. Um look, I, I, I I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that there is a, a season five. And I'm hoping that Nick Pizzolatto returns and, and takes things in a bit of a, of a different direction. Um, on paper, this should be a, a wonderful season. Uh, I mean, I love Jodie Foster, but I feel like she's a bit lost here and under, kind of underutilized. Or maybe it's not that it's underutilized. I just feel like this, the script isn't very good. It started good. I, I kind of enjoyed that first episode quite a bit. And then it just proceeded to just not get better like no you know
0: yeah I agree it's uh it it's it's a really disappointing and, uh but uh yeah Tina Johnson just stopped in to say hi, hi uh-huh. hey. <laughs> <laughs> she's all embarrassed now hey everything worked out okay downstairs I right, great <laughs> um I I um six episodes. They spend way too much time on everyone's personal life. There's no yeah. the, the story is interesting, right? Mm-hmm. The, the story is very compelling, but they don't tell the story. We're we're uh, focused on the wrong things, and and I
1: really it I'm I'm kind of sick of it to be honest. Yeah, like that first episode with the scientists and the disappearing, and then them ending up all dead. That was Dude. good. That was so good. Okay, we the entire last episode didn't even talk about the scientists. There's only two episodes left. What are we doing? What are we doing here? Like, I just too many characters I don't care about. I want to know about the scientists. I want to know, like, hopefully these questions get answered. You know, Um, but I think you know. I I know, Mike, you plan on a bit of a a bit of a deeper dive. I think uh, into into True Detective season four. But uh, just wanted to bring it up a little bit tonight because, you know, we're, we're rooting for it. We love True Detective, you know? Yeah.
0: I, I tell you what, that Oz Perkins movie that's coming out later this year, Long Legs, mm. based on the trailer, that's what True Detective season four should look like.
1: Yeah, it's, it's missing something. It's missing the, the kind of creepiness. It's missing like that vibe that even season two had that vibe that I think it did. I mean, everyone's trying to, everyone's kind of starting to reevaluate season two when here I am liking season two from the moment it started. Um, (laughs) One of the very few people, I guess, but you know, season three was very good. I just, I don't know. I, I, I feel like one day, all will be revealed about what maybe went on behind the scenes with season four. But uh, we, we definitely don't have those answers yet. You know,
0: Pizzolatto, I think, is uh, kind of the best. There was a little bit of an exchange between him and uh, Issa Lopez, I believe, on uh, on on the internet. So, um... <laughs>
1: oh no, I mean, uh, I don't know. Look, I- I'm a fan, you know. And like I said, I, I I want the show to do well. I want a season five. Like I don't want to, I don't want shit to get fucked up that there's no season five, Michael, You know. Great. But
0: you know what, dude? They uh, they keep missing the mark.
1: You know. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. Two more episodes to, to 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 make us eat our words here at Necromaniacs Podcast. But we we will see. Uh, I think it's time for the plugs. Yeah. Great.
0: So, kicking off the uh, the week, every other week, that is, we have Horror Wolf 666, brought to you by Brandon Legion, and I just got some uh, breaking news from Brandon, that he and I are going to hang out on this tour, so I'm going to be able to right. see him in person on tour mm-hmm. when I play close to his town, down in the south there, down in, and I'm looking forward to seeing him in person, this is uh, one of those occasions where we all, we were in the same space, which I enjoy
1: Nice. I love that when when uh, it, it's like, you know, it's like that Justice League meetup, you know, when, when everyone gets together. Um, right. <laughs> coming to you on Tuesday, Wyatt's Jackie Smith's zone into the necrosphere uh, this week. He's got that uh, suffocation uh, interview, which I have not checked out as of yet, but I know I will get to it uh, for all of your extreme metal needs every Tuesday into the necrosphere coming at you on Wednesday we have mike hill's very own everything went black episode uh episodes uh what what's coming up for everything went black this week or should i say next week
0: next week we have uh, another darkness weaves episode with carl hikara another fellow horseman we'll get to him later and uh, mm-hmm. so that's uh, going to be coming up next week and then uh you know there's a couple of uh from the uh, Vault, Greatest Hits episodes for the following two weeks because uh mm-hmm. just was not able to get the content out there, trying to keep on top of everything while I'm away. So uh, so that's going to be some stuff that's on the Patreon originally from the earlier last year that you guys in the regular stream have not heard it, so it's, it's new to you, but it won't right. be new to everyone from Patreon. So apologies. Very soon. Cool. Yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, on Thursday... It's the Necromaniacs podcast. While you're listening to it right now, coming at you every Thursday, the greatest horror podcast in the land. Uh, who do we got on Friday, Michael? John
0: Draper, bringing us spitball media, and that's on Friday. And uh, how's John been? How's John doing, man? It's like I you know, check in, listen to him, but you know, how's he doing?
1: He's doing good. I haven't seen him in a bit, but I think he, I think he's due for a, a visit down south soon. When I say down south, I mean good old Brooklyn. Um, but yeah, he he is he is doing well. Uh we, of course, also talk about True Detective quite a bit. We talk about lots of TV and movie stuff all the time, you know, via DMs and texts. So uh yeah, John is doing well. I'll tell him you send your best. Um on Saturday, take the day off, go out, have some fun, have some. Food, some drinks, be around your friends and family. But on Sunday, make sure you are back. Why is that, Mike? Why should they be back on Sunday? Paul oh, Hikara
0: delivers the second episode of Saul Knox on Sundays. The, That's he's, right. uh, he's, he's deploying twice a week, Thursday and Sunday. And um, yeah, if you're into like darkness, uh, the occult, that sort of thing, definitely check out uh, Carl's show. He's got a Interviews with really cool people on there. Um, he also is involved with me in this uh, Darkness Weaves collaboration where we talk about Carl Edward Wagner's short stories and eventually novels. And right now we're talking about the Kane short stories. So if you like dark fantasy, sword and sorcery, tune in and listen in and discover
1: Kane by Carl Edward Wagner. Excellent. Uh, and then we have the final horseman who comes at you at his own pace. And we are talking about, of course, Cheyenne of Trivax. Right, Michael?
0: Right, And you brought up the fact that he does sound like a character from a a sword and sorcery uh,
1: story. Yes, he does. Well, if you say his name like that, Cheyenne of Trivax, that's, you know, that's when it sounds like it's coming from, you know, perhaps a, a Conan novel. You know what I'm saying? Like that, you know. But, uh, see, I don't have a cool name like that. I mean, you know, I could only hope to have a name that sounds that cool, you know. <laughs> our, our names are not epic, like Cheyenne. <laughs> Cheyenne of Trivax, yeah. Like like yeah. Mike from Inhuman. That's not as cool sounding, you know. Like Cheyenne of Trivax sounds literally like dialogue from an Arthur E. Howard book, you know. Yeah. It's kind of cool,
0: right? And his show is called Iblis Manifestations and uh, he's killing it. So definitely
1: check it out. And, uh, and that's, that's the whole crew, man. That's right. Uh, make sure you support the crew, the horsemen, hit that subscribe button on all these shows. And, uh, yeah, we thank you for your support as they say. Um, we've got some phone calls this week, kids. We have two for tonight's episode, right, Mike? That's right, and it's
0: actually a milestone episode for us because we have the first uh, lady caller. We've got uh, April from Pittsburgh. Mm.
2: Hi, this is April from Pittsburgh. I just finished watching the Scandinavian movie called the "Sick of Myself." Uh, it was pretty good. It reminded me of like a David Cronenberg meets Harmony Corrine. Uh, it was pretty. Pretty crazy. I wouldn't say it was horror-horror, but it's pretty horrific. Interesting. Uh, I also recently watched the series on Showtime called The Curse. Also not really horror, but really weird, and wondering if anyone's checked either of these out. Uh, I don't know anyone else who's watched either. Uh, Really enjoyed the last two episodes. Uh, Totally agree with everyone's
0: reviews. Uh, All right. See ya. So, thanks a ton, April, for calling in. Um, Appreciate the call. I have not heard of Sick of Myself. Have you heard of that, Mike?
1: No, I have not. But it does sound like a good hardcore band name. Um, I have not heard of that movie or or a great song title, Sick of Myself. I like it. Um, It sounds cool, though. Scandinavian horror you know that that could be uh in our in our you know up our dark alley as they say but uh, yeah I'll check it out and then uh the curse on Showtime
0: like that's uh that's something I've been wanting to see I know I know a lot of people have been talking about that and um I definitely want to make make some room for that for that show it's got uh it just it's a Safdie Brothers production I believe
1: yeah, it's not horror, but it is weird, I heard. That it gets weird and uncomfortable and a little a little dark. Um, I think John Draper told me to watch that show, and then somebody else at my job told me to check that show out. So, yeah, th- you know what? I, th- I think when The Sopranos' run is done, that rhymed, I think I'm just going to check out The Curse because it, it sounds really cool.
0: Next up, we got Stuart from the Bay Area calling in and he's a return caller. So great hearing from you, Stuart. Yeah.
2: What's up, Necromaniacs? This is uh, Stuart calling from the Bay Area in the middle of a big storm here. Um, I really enjoyed the trauma episode. Uh, that's uh, a movie I've seen many times. Uh, I didn't really make the connection with the girl dancing uh, at the end in the ending credits, so that was a pretty cool fact. Uh I did actually go and uh, buy that Vinegar Syndrome uh, Blu-ray after I listened to the episode, so it was pretty fun to rewatch that uh, movie. <clears throat> Lately I've been watching a lot of uh, older Spanish horror movies, uh, particularly films by Paul Nashi. He's kind of a cool uh, writer, director. He used to be a champion weightlifter before he was making movies. Um, you guys familiar with his films? He's kind of a uh, all over the place, he has a number of uh, movies where he plays a werewolf uh, named Vladimir Daninsky, I believe. <clears throat> also been watching the Tombs of the Blind Dead films uh, with uh, by uh, Armando de Osorio, probably butchering that name. Uh, have you guys seen any of those? Those are pretty cool. Uh, I really like the first two of them. They're kind of uh, surrounding undead knights that return uh definitely definitely got a really cool sort of uh theme music going when the knights are around Uh, also checked out a movie called who can kill a child which is another spanish move uh film directed by ibanez Cerador, which is again i'm probably i'm not very good at pronouncing names but uh it's a really cool movie uh it's about you know a killer kid's uh, on an island he also made a film called The House That Screamed which is really good too it's, it's more of like a gothic horror um, and then Severin Films put out uh, the blu-ray of his uh, show I believe it's called Tales to Keep You Awake I haven't uh, watched that uh, yet I have it, I watched a uh, part of it uh, it's kind of got a Twilight Zone uh, vibe, it's pretty cool um, so I was just wondering if you guys, uh, are familiar with the older Spanish horror films and do you have any favorites anyways, looking forward to Necro Thursday as always. So uh, I'll catch you guys later, but
0: awesome. Glad you dug uh trauma and, uh, you know, I know that Mike and I really dig Argento, obviously, uh, once we get into <laughs> today, the last couple of episodes,
1: yes. but, uh, but yeah. And Mike, I know that you're, you're also a Paul Natchez fan, right? Yes, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Mark Yoshitomi, turned me on to Paul Nashi. Um, we have never done any of his films, and I think we should. We're, we're going to remedy that, you know. Um, yeah, he's a big werewolf guy, Michael Paul Nashi. So I think you would enjoy a lot of his content. He's done a bunch of other stuff too, but he's he's definitely like you know one of the the big guns of, of Euro horror. Uh, He, you know, he's a journeyman in that he often stars and directs in pretty much all of his movies, almost, or quite a few of them. Um, But, yeah, he's got a ton of stuff under his belt. I I would say some go into varying degrees of quality, but there's definitely some cool stuff. And uh, thanks for putting in in my head the idea of doing a a Nashi film, uh, Stuart. And, of course, thank you to Stuart and April for the call and for the support. You know, we're not the biggest show on the block, kids. You know, Necromaniacs. We've been around a decade now, but uh, we are ad-free. We are corporate-free, and we do this literally on our own free time for the love of movies, but I just want to say we uh, appreciate each and every single one of you, right, Mike? Yeah, definitely, man. Oh, yeah, Paul Nashie, there's that
0: Shout Factory. I think it's a two-volume collection that's out there. I have one. I don't know if it's the first or the second one. I believe Night of the Werewolf is on that, so that might be yeah. the it, second
1: it, one. A lot of good stuff to to, to cover, and uh, I may even defer to Mark as as to which film to cover, because uh, he 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 knows quite a bit about uh, Mr. Nashi. But yeah, definitely uh, cool stuff for the future. Mike, right. you're a, you're a fan of Who Can Kill a Child, right? That's that's a movie that I have not seen. It that but that's something that yeah. Uh, I own. Uh, I own the original. It was remade. The remake isn't that bad, actually, but the original packs quite a punch. I think you would dig it too, Mike. Excellent Spanish horror film. It's kind of like Spain's Children of the Corn, but I don't know, a decade before Children of the Corn, and like way, way kind of like better in a way.
0: <laughs> yeah, something that's been on my. Uh, it's been in the to be watched pile for a while, so I got to definitely get to that.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll dig it. And it, yeah, definitely necromaniacs worthy. Yes.
0: So that brings us to our feature, which is uh the Stendhal syndrome uh yep. by the, the maestro Dario Argento, released January 20th, 1996.
1: Hmm. Uh yeah, this was uh this was another hit uh in Italy at least for Dario. Um grossing uh five point four million lire uh which is almost about four million uh in u.s dollars again in 1996 money uh for a budget of about 3.8 million um you know it had a big theatrical release release um and again by like 96 i i would say this was uh, among one of dario's final kind of hits in italy um, and of course the second film to star his lovely daughter, Azia. Um, yeah. I, I, the interesting thing right out of the bat though, is that Daria is in this film. She's about uh, 20, I believe, making this movie. And, uh, you know, she, she's playing like a, a seasoned police detective, a little young for a police detective. Would you, would you agree, Michael? Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's definitely, um, she's a, she's like a 20 year old, uh, Detective,
1: you know. what <laughs> world police detective. Uh, might be a little bit of a reason for that, and I'm coming out with the fun facts right out of the gate, is that the original star of this movie was none other than Bridget Fonda, um, who dropped out of the film at the start of production. Uh, Jennifer Jason Leigh was considered to be her replacement. She also could not or did not want to do the film. And then, uh, of course, Dario lands on... His daughter asia so very interesting uh part of me could almost have seen bridget fonda in this movie what about you
0: yeah but i can also really see jennifer jason lee killing it as Mm. a detective anna manny Mm -hmm. Um, but you know asia argento is uh iconic in this role though you know yeah she she
1: does a great job for someone pretty much quite new to to being a, a to, you know, carrying a film, I would say. Uh, of course, prior to this, she did Trauma about two years prior, and she had, you know, small roles in Demons 2 in the church, but those were, those were really small roles. Um, and then, of course, after this, uh, she does, you know, the Phantom of the Opera remake that Dario does, and then later on, she does Mother of Tears in Dracula 3D, etc., and has her know a very pretty stellar horror and indie career of her own but this is very early on in her career and i actually think her acting ability is is really solid here mike no
0: i agree i mean because she um she plays like different aspects of the same person in this film you know and and each aspect is a little bit different too so she's able to convey that in her in her acting which mm. is
1: uh, definitely, like, required for this role, you know? No, absolutely. Uh, run down the cast before we go further. Uh, as we said, uh, Al Gargento as Detective Anna Manny, uh, Thomas Crutchman as Alfredo Grossi. Uh, worth mentioning, Thomas Crutchman has gone on to do a shit ton of movies. Um, however, many in America may know him, From his two Marvel films, Mike Hill, Uh, are are you aware that he is Baron Von Strucker in Captain America's Winter Soldier and Avengers Age of Ultron? No, I did not know that. Yes. Um, And he plays uh, Dracula uh, in the, well, he plays Abraham Van Helsing in the Dracula TV series from 2013 in, in the U.K., uh, he is in Dracula 3D as Dracula, uh, Argento's Dracula 3D. He's in Hostel Part Three. Uh, just a ton of movies, uh, both American, uh, English, Germans, Italian. So he's he's done quite a bit after his uh, little stint in Stendhal Syndrome. How about that?
0: He done stuff. I didn't realize it to that extent, though. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. His Wikipedia is insane. I was like, holy shit, man. Um, we have Marco Leonardi as Marco Longhi, Luigi DiPerti as Inspector Minetti, uh, Paolo Bonacelli as Dr. Kavanaugh, and Julian Lambroski as Marie Berle. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, the, the movie is really centered around uh, Asia's uh, detective, Anna Mani, who is a police detective in Italy. Um Basically, uh, she's a cop who travels to Florence, Italy, on the trail of a serial rapist and murderer, Alfredo Grossi, of course, played by Thomas Kretschmann. Now, this giallo is very interesting in that for about 90% of the film, well, we know who the killer is, right, Mike?
0: Right, I was gonna bring that up, that it's not a typical giallo because, um, you know, there's no glove. There's no hat, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know who the killer is pretty much
1: right away. Yes, there is no mystery until the last 10, what is it, 10, 15 minutes of the movie where there's yeah. quite a twist. And of course, we're going to spoil it. Spoiler alert. It's an old film. Um, and it, it becomes a bit of of, of Um, But yeah, by and large, this is basically like it's a serial killer movie slash thriller, but it's not super giallo for a giallo but it does you know it falls under the modern giallo blanket right
0: the it, it, it's kind of uh it it di- dips into that that region or in the in mm-hmm. the last like you know segment of the film basically
1: yeah absolutely uh another thing worth noting aside from the whole bridget father jennifer jason lee angle uh is that it is apparently the first Italian film to use CGI ever. How about that? Back in, uh, when it was filmed in 1995. Um, there is a large, ce- well, there are several CGI scenes. There, there's a very big set piece in the beginning involving a, a, a going underwater and a fish uh, where Aja uh, kisses this very large group of fish. The fish, uh, you know, w- was not real, but apparently, They did actually film completely underwater for that sequence, Mike. Yeah, the the movie's kind of trippy too,
0: like especially in the beginning. You know, Mm -hmm. where um, you know she's uh, looking at artwork and she's in museums, and there's these dreamy segments of that part, which very Argento, like that the the museum scenes, and when she hallucinates being underwater that's also very argento and of course there's like this kind of sleazy like sexy sort of vibe with the fish (laughs) and all this stuff you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean in a way you don't even know why that even happened but that's of course there's always some weird there's always at least one animal scene in every single one of argento's films this is the one animal moment and it involves a fish so you know and it's underwater but yeah those those very interesting painting scenes uh you, you utilize this very early cgi for for italy italian filming and it was one of the first times that they ever did that in an italian film apparently and uh the opening shot uh in in florence's Uffizi gallery uh it was also the first time that gallery ever allowed anyone to f- make a, a movie inside of it so uh Dario had some had some clout, huh, Mike?
0: Yeah, definitely, you know. I mean, you know, he he was kind of like a big deal around this time, so,
1: you know, he had access to certain things. Yeah, absolutely. Um now the stendhal syndrome is is a real thing. Uh it, it's when someone gets very overcome uh and like a this kind of psychotic, psychofuge state by works of art that could involve rapid heartbeat, fainting, confusion, possibly hallucinations. Uh, The affliction is named after 19th century French author uh, Stendhal, who described this experience in an 1817 visit to Florence in a book that he wrote that you can read called Naples and Florence, A Journey from Milan to Reggio. And uh, yeah, apparently uh, this is a real thing, Michael. How about that? It's pretty much all there in the, in
0: the beginning you see, you know, she's in the being overwhelmed by the artwork and art plays a big part of this film, you know, obviously, uh, you know, connecting with the uh, disorder. Um, but that's how, um, Alfredo Grossi is able to, uh, victimize, um, Anna because he sort of like slickly like rolls up to her and he's like, Oh, I see that you, uh, you feel this artwork, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, look. The thing is, this uh, Grossy, We're gonna, we'll guess we'll refer to him as Grossi, the Killer. Uh, yeah. He's already, you know, he he's up and killing. By the time the movie starts, that's why he's being investigated by the police, and that's why uh, Asia is is on his trail. Um, but you know, Azia has not quote met him yet, basically, and, and you know, is it, kind of just on the hunt for him. She has her psychotic episode in the beginning of the movie in the, in the thing. And then he, you know, he kind of comes up as this kind of good citizen to her, right?
0: Handsome guy, you know, Teutonic, oh, yeah. uh, good looks, well dressed. You know,
1: yes. You know, dazzles block, her a little bit, like, you know. Yeah, he dazzles her. Um, and well, kids, unfortunately, he kidnaps her for the first of two times in this movie, right, Mike? Imagine getting kidnapped by the same person twice. <laughs> yes. And uh gonna put the trigger warning out there, um. She is raped by him pretty brutally, uh, both times she is kidnapped by him. And you have to say, Argento, is he's not a conventional dad, would you oh, agree? No. Hmm,
0: he's put he's put her in actually several of his daughters in <laughs> these very, uh, you know, compromising yeah. positions.
1: I mean, not you know. Uh, my, my chuckle was not at rape; it was it was at the kind of dad Dario Argento is. Um, however, upon further uh, investigation for the more severe, graphic scenes, a body double was used in this film. Mike, how about that? That's re- that's a relief, actually. Yes, that that is a relief. Yes, we do know that Asia is very much a a physical actress and very much an edgy. I'll do whatever I want, actress. But apparently in some of the really more harsher moments of the movie, of which there are a few uh, listeners, uh, it is, in fact, a body double. Um, so, yeah, he, he kidnaps her. And, and, and early on in, in the first time where he kidnaps her, he actually manages to have yet another woman, you know, that he's sexually assaulting next to her. And there's this very wild special effects scene where he shoots the woman in the cheek and the bullet goes through her cheek. And, you know, it's just this very kind of close up where they show close up of the bullet and close up of the bullet hole. What do you think of that scene, Mike? Well, you know, it it was very, very uh, Italian. You know what I mean? Like
0: there was something yeah. about it that was so typically Italian the way mm-hmm. it was shot, the bullet going through the cheek. It's like something that you would see in, in an Argento film or a full T movie, you know. Um, and it I thought it was cool, you know, even though it does look a little dated, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's the scene where he looks through the bullet hole of the of the woman's face and with his eye. And that was just really kind of creepy. It's funny, watching this for the second time, I, I had recalled that scene and you know i i was literally almost maybe 18 years removed from watching it for the first time or or more maybe 20 years was the last time i actually watched this whole movie um and i i had kind of forgotten about just how graphic the movie gets mike yeah yeah definitely this is
0: one of the one of the sleazier movies one of the, it definitely goes to, into some places um in the argento catalog for sure
1: yeah um uh azia's character anna does manage to escape her killer uh but she's left deeply traumatized um and this is where we get as, as mike said there are different kind of personalities of anna in the film uh if, if the first personality is a police detective the second personality is a bit more of a victim slash survivor mode character huh
0: yeah she's got short hair she's dressed sort of um you know, very modestly, you know, baggy mm-hmm. clothes, that sort of thing. And yeah. um, has been turned off to having
1: sex, you know, for With obvious reasons. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's kind of dating this other uh, police uh, officer. And, you know, she's seemingly not that into him anymore. And you, you, you really do kind of feel for her character at this point, especially after all the horrific shit she's gone through very early on in the film. Uh, but sure enough, uh, Grossy man, he's uh, quite the savage. He manages to, to track her down once again. Uh, and I, like I said, abducts her for a second time and brings her um, to like this, you know, underground kind of like. There's like these graffiti everywhere and she's strapped to a mattress. And again, it, it gets very harsh and she has like these chains on her wrists and on her ankles um and there's a scene where he kind of leaves her for a while and all the graffiti comes to life that was a really sick scene huh
0: yeah it's um once again going back into the stendhal sort of syndrome mm-hmm. aspect of this where you know there, i guess the graffiti as artwork was causing her to react and have these hallucinations
1: you know what i mean
0: right, and- like There's something very dark about that whole segment, you know, that that makes me think about some movies that come out later that were a little more extreme, you know, Mm -hmm. where there's like a a woman abducted in some, you know, dank, you know, dungeon-esque location and, um, bound and, you know, sort of detained and, uh, Mm -hmm. by a rapist and, Mm -hmm. uh, this guy goes about his day and returns and just does his thing. You know, it's, it's just really dark. The whole vibe of that, that part of the film is just, you know, sort of disturbing and dark.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it might, this might be one of his harshest movies, period, actually. To, if you, if you, if you really think about it. Uh, however, finally, Anna turns the tables and there's this great scene where she uses like the kind of the, the these kind of like metal clasps and clips uh, as she breaks free and just jabs them into either side of uh, uh, what do you call Grossy's neck? I mean, there's a lot of blood in this movie. There's a lot of gore. Uh, it gets very graphic. She beats the living shit out of him. She fucking takes out one of his eyes. And since they're near a river, she like manages to drag him and basically kick his his limp body basically over like a cliff. You know, over like like a river, in, in into the water. You know. Um, and police kind of basically surmise that he's dead. I mean, honestly, I thought he was dead. You know, he seemed pretty fucking dead. She beat the shit out of him. I mean, it was a very high, you know, cliff that she kind of kicks him off of. Um, and then things kind of take a turn in Anna's life. Um, she uh, starts wearing a very long blonde wig, which where we get, the, like I said, like that kind of yet another personality of hers mike right and
0: this is the part that sort of where we start veering into the giallo sort of world i think in the, mm-hmm. in the third act of this thing with her yes yeah uh, like when she starts putting guy. the wig on it starts becoming yeah. more of like a giallo film
1: yeah she she meets a new guy uh this guy named Marie, uh who's a french guy studying art in italy uh, she starts going to see a therapist. I mean, a, a psychologist, in an effort to uh, come to terms with her own deep-seated emotional trauma. Uh, she starts getting these phone calls, uh, and you know she can't believe it because she thinks Alfredo is, uh, you know, Grossi is dead, and so do the police. So it's like, uh oh, he's back again. Like, was he? Was you know, is he going to try to abduct her yet again? Uh, things seem to be going well with the Marie guy. And uh, well, until they aren't, because uh, they are, you know, at uh, what he called a museum where Marie is doing his his studies and his work, and uh, he is brutally murdered. Um, so, as the viewer, you're wondering, holy shit! You know, I guess he survived that uh, horrific fall and that beating, right, Mike? It seems like that's the uh,
0: the red herring aspect of this thing, which you'll mm-hmm. you'll find in these types of films, you know.
1: Right. now, like I said, she's seeing a therapist, and it seems like much like in the movie trauma, it seems like the therapist might be a bit shady and might, you know have uh, an, an, an uh an unhealthy interest in her, you know, um, and we're starting to wonder, well, you know, is perhaps this psychologist uh to blame? or has, you know, uh, grossy in fact returned to kill, uh, while she's having a session with the psychologist, he, he kind of says to her, you know what, it's time we, you know, we realize the truth and, you know, like he, you know, he starts saying all this stuff to her and it's like, Oh shit. The psychologist knows, you know, e- either he's about to reveal he's the killer or, you know, again, as a viewer, you're not really sure what's about to happen. Um, but as it turns out folks uh the psychologist gets killed as well by none other than anna herself who has unfortunately also murdered her new boyfriend marie right mike right She also um he kills marco too yes uh marco the the ex-boyfriend who was also a cop the one who she kind of you know peeled away from his advances after she was raped for the first time uh kind of finds the you know mutilated bloodied body of the psychologist again some fucking awesome special effects here mike no definitely i mean
0: yeah especially for 1996 you know this Mm -hmm. i think had really great or effects in it for you know this type of film
1: yeah totally totally um and then and you know It's funny, like once you figure out or basically are shown that uh, Anna is the killer, you know, you really feel bad for her because basically what has happened is all of that trauma and like horrific shit that she went through at the hands of Alfredo Grossi has really messed her up on top of having the Stendhal syndrome. And it just basically turned her into a raving killer, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. So there is um there's a little bit of that twist. Hmm. That typical <laughs> uh, Giallo twist at the end. Yeah um, there's a, a couple, you know, there's a red herring, um, where you think Rossi is actually back from the dead or you know, never died. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, the wig, the blonde wig, like that whole that whole thing really I don't know, I found that to be very disturbing once you put the wig on.
1: Yeah, so, like something not bother me about her <laughs> 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 Yeah, Aldo Argento should never be a platinum blonde. Let's just face it, okay? Yeah, um, she's a dark-haired gal. That's that's she should stay a dark-haired gal. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, a really it
0: disturbing got... scene with the cops too. When when she's out, you know, after the, the climax of the film, when she's out on the street, and at some point she collapses, and all these like police officers kind of gather around her like in this very salacious sort of scene they're very touchy feely with her and it has this very
1: uncomfortable vibe to it mm, yes um and let's talk about the more music in this movie holy oh. shit creepy and awesome awesome fucking theme music right that's like
0: one of the i think one of my favorite scores that he's done is the is the score for stendhal syndrome actually
1: Mm, yeah it is like it's it's kind of up there with the spirit it's just it's very yeah. it, it, it's like an you know what's it called an earworm or whatever like it really gets in your head this theme music right oh yeah uh it's it's you know w- once you hear it I, I think you'll agree listeners um but you know let's see i think uh who did the i'm trying to find who did the special effects here uh, because I, I really want to give him his props, you know. I have a funny feeling. Let's see, let's see. Cinematography. Also wanted to point out that it's it it's a really beautiful looking movie. Actually, uh, it's not a cheap looking Argento movie. It's no. a very like kind of elegant looking film. Up oh, Steve Vitali. That's what I thought. Sergio Steve Vitali did his visual special effects fucking knocks it out of the park the amazing morcone score um you know like we said earlier i think Algia does some really really good acting like early on thomas crutchman is fucking awesome as a savage serial killer too huh
0: yeah i mean he was great and um yeah kind of it, it's like he's one of those guys that very handsome guy but he seems like a total creep you know
1: yes yes um yeah to, to to get that revelation that he did all those fucking marvel movies was interesting uh you know he's oh he's in downfall he's in the pianist oh, he's okay. a, like a tremendous resume
0: uh he downfall, was in the, Pian- the uh the hitler movie downfall with bruno Ga- gantz as, yeah. As hitler.
1: yeah yeah he plays herman fiegeline who i i uh, now that I actually watched that again, not too long ago. And I think I know exactly who he is now that I am, you know, seeing his face and whatnot. Um, but yeah, um, this, you know, we'd kind of hinted that we thought that this movie was without question, one of the better latter era Argento movies, even though I guess you could almost argue it's like a mid ladder era Argento movie. I almost feel like anything in the nineties is Anything in the '90s on to me, because for me personally, is like a latter era Argento. But uh, you know, th- this is it's it's better than Trauma, I think. And I actually was you know singing uh, Trauma's praises in the last episode, Mike. Yeah, I put this in the
0: upper tier of his um his definitely that that period because you know there's that I I, I consider this as mid mid period, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. And within that mid period, it's definitely on the upper tier. It's definitely one of one of the the go-to films in that in that set.
1: yeah, yeah. um, yeah, the ending was fucking wild. I mean, you know, after it's revealed that she's done those three killings, uh, she's just kind of rambling, uh, you know, walking through the streets of Italy and kind of talking to herself. And she's kind of been like overcome by the spirit of uh, Grossi And uh, yeah, the police kind of just, you know, they kind of, they don't like, you know, throw her into a car or anything. They just kind of like, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't even use the word grab her. They just kind of like glide her away and they just have that creepy three music playing and then the credits come up. Kind of a cool, very cool Italian, you know, giallo ending, huh?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. I know. Yeah, like I said, this this is definitely uh, one to be rewatched. You know, this is the kind of thing you can appreciate multiple times over the years.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, the one thing um, for listeners, you know, who have never seen it, um, there are two rape scenes in this movie that are pretty intense. I mean, uh, have I seen more intense rape scenes? Of course I have, but... Uh, I would say even for Argento, I think this this definitely is, is some of his edgiest fare. Um, but I would absolutely say this is a must-see Argento film. What do you, uh, what do you rate this, Mike? What's the score? You're... Okay, if I really liked Trauma a lot, okay, and gave that a three and a half, then I'm actually giving Stendhal Syndrome a four because i think it's i think it's a better film than trauma on more of like the technical side like trauma's a little cheaper looking but it's just fun like i really enjoyed it you know uh this is a more slicker and like i don't know i'll use the word it's a fancier movie it's a fancier film even though it's horrific like you know what i'm saying it's it's like it's more pro this movie um and i Give it a four.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This one rate's pretty high for me, man. I give it a four point five. I mean, this Ooh. um mm. you know, I would this is slightly below um Suspiria and Inferno for me.
1: Mm. Interesting. Interesting. You know,
0: was, and those two are my you know, probably my favorites, you know, of, of uh
1: Argento's work. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they it's definitely more more of a quality-looking film uh, than Trauma, which is its its prior, you know, his prior movie. Um, I I need to reevaluate Two Evil Eyes, which is, of course, uh, the, you know, the half-and-half half that he did with Romero, um, I, which was also shot in America. Uh, it's been a long time since I've watched that. What about you?
0: It's been ages since I've seen that, but that might be something we should both... Uh reevaluate that and and rip that as an episode
1: maybe yes yes uh it seems like we're getting some good uh reactions to our our argento uh deep dive though so uh, we, we we're probably going to continue this uh i i will give a semi-spoiler and say there there will definitely be at least one more uh trip to uh the argento uh you know <laughs> pool uh, coming up i don't want to spoil it but uh yeah I, I i think the the listeners will enjoy it if they've been enjoying what we've been doing thus far
0: yeah definitely and you know like i i definitely want to expand man too we I, you know there's also been uh requests for doing some fulci you know and mm-hmm. yeah. uh yeah i'm also quite fond of uh lucio fulci and i think that would be uh a welcome addition to this dive into italian cinema
1: no absolutely i mean look I feel like other podcasts have kind of, you know, like they're kind of still doing Suspiria and Deep Red and Tenebrae. And I think we intentionally wanted to do this 90s stuff because I don't really see anybody doing this 90s stuff. So, and it's it's good. It's worth talking about and worth, you know, worth watching again or watching for the first time for some of the listeners, right? I'm just curious to
0: see how many people out there have not seen these movies before and what their initial impressions are. Because I know that there's a, you you have to season yourself into a lot of this giallo mm-hmm. Italian horror, you know, because like mm-hmm. it's not the kind of thing you'd leap right into. I'm just curious to see what people's, um, you know, maybe, maybe someone drop us a voicemail who might have gotten into this stuff through listening to this show and uh check these things out for the first time i'm really eager to hear what people have to say about it
1: you know i would say as a rule that neither trauma nor stand out should be anyone's first argento but i do realize that i bet there are listeners who might be younger than us or for whatever reason that one or two of these movies might have been their first argento movie so it it you know you're coming in from a very different uh end right and um you know, I I I to, to me I feel like the first thing you should see by him is either Suspiria or Deep Red. That's just my like Bird. You should even maybe even wait a little bit to see Bird, even though it's his first film, Bird with Crystal Crystal Plumage, which is literally in my top five of his films. I love that movie so much. Um, but it shouldn't be the first thing you watch. I think it, like Mike, you just made an interesting point. It's like you do kind of need to ease in to Italian cinema and ease into Argento. And I don't know. I just feel like for some people, he's the go-to guy and you're a big fucking fan and you love almost all of it. Or he's a guy that you just don't grasp. And the Italian cinema thing is not your bag. And it's, and you're just kind of like, well, I'm, you know, I'm more of an American horror person and that's fine too. But, you know, there's a lot of younger horror fans out there now. Horror is arguably as, as big as it's ever been. And, you know, every day I think there's somebody discovering one of Dario's films, Mike.
0: I think so. You know, and yeah, definitely let us know what you think about all this stuff for sure. I like keep yeah. the voicemails coming, keep the messages, all that stuff. We enjoy it.
1: Yes. And uh yeah, that'll that'll put a cap on uh tonight's necromaniacs. Uh, be sure to hit the subscribe button, be sure to tell a friend, be sure to check out the other horsemen and we will see you next time Good yeah, guys. Talk to you soon. Take care.